the NFTs are non-fungible tokens, meaning they cannot be duplicated, which is different to a fungible token. So Bitcoin. So there's only one version of it that cannot be duplicated. And so it could be a form of an audio. It could be in the form of a video, an image. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Welcome back to the Mind Valley Podcast, folks. Today, we're going to be talking about NFTs. I'm going to share why we need to be paying attention to NFTs, but I'm also going to share a couple of cautionary tales, including a big mistake I made. I want to be really vulnerable here. And our guest today is one of the most brilliant minds in the field of NFTs. So today, we're going to be discussing some really interesting things. What are NFTs? And here, we're assuming you have a basic understanding of it because they've been all over the news the past one year. But we're going to go deeper into how to understand if you should be dabbling in NFTs, whether as an investor, as an art buyer, as uh, someone buying an NFT because of the utility it gives you. And we're also going to share some case studies on how you can use NFTs for everything from raising funds for a charity to actually raising money for your business. There's going to be some interesting case studies here. The intent of this podcast is not to give you more or less, try to talk you into an investment opportunity. Rather, we are talking about NFTs here as a tool, not as something speculative. Because if you've been paying attention, on the day we're recording this podcast right now, Bitcoin hit a massive low. People have lost billions of dollars. Bitcoin was 57K almost 18 months ago, and now it's 20,000, right? A lot of people lost a lot of money. So we're going to talk about the difference between cryptocurrencies and NFTs, if you're not aware, and why, while there is risk in the crypto market, NFTs are a different beast. They actually serve a really unique purpose. And if you can understand what NFTs represent, you start to open your eyes to whole new ways of doing marketing, running a business, building community, fundraising, and even how the web is evolving into Web3. So our guest today is Arvin Kamse. Arvin has worked on hundreds of NFT projects, over 400 NFT brands he's consulted with. And his agency has had partnerships with Reddit, Twitter, Quora, and Meta. His two largest NFT projects, Sands Vegas Casino Club and Meta Legends, both sold up. The Sands project made $5 million in 20 hours. The Meta project made an astonishing $10 million in 20 hours. He also helped Women of Crypto hit number one on IC Tools and OpenSea. So he knows this world. He understands this world. And today, we're going to be going into a fascinating conversation with Arvin on the field of NFTs and what it means to you. So Arvin, welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. Thank you for having me. So firstly, why how did you get fascinated by NFTs? How did you get into this industry? So when I was a when I was a kid, I was uh, trading cards, like soccer, soccer cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got the concept. Um, as soon as I saw the, the cyberpunks especially and NBA top shots, um, I realized there's something to this. Um, like I, I can see it has like real life values and like people have been collecting things um, like the collectibles industry. This is, that's not new at all. Um, have, have been around um, for a long time. In fact, I actually read somewhere last night that even the first NFT wasn't even cyberpunk back in 2017. Someone else actually came up with an NFT uh, a few years before that. And then, 
for some reason, no one talks about it. But then there was an interview like somewhere that was found in this guy. He apparently he actually came up with the first NFT before ev- everyone else. Do you remember else. what that NFT was about? Um, no, I actually just read, started reading about it last night. And so I, I think it may be Homer Pepe. So Homer Pepe. Maybe. So Pepe Pepe is a is is a meme. He's a he's a frog. Um, I, I and I, and so. One of my, like literally Peter Kell, who, uh, who is a, a Mind Valley partner, he actually lives below me here in Estonia. Okay. He was at a workshop on NFTs, I think in 2015 or 2016. And um, there was this digital card for sale. It was called Homer Pepe. So it was a, a picture of that, that meme frog, Pepe. Um, it had an association with, with uh, uh, Homer Simpson. And there was an error in the card. Minute was spelled M-I-N. Well, the word minute was spelt wrong. And so this this digital card was being sold as a collectible and Peter bid $29,000 and he bought it. And his friends told him, you're such an idiot, absolute idiot. He then tried to sell it. No one would buy it from him. And he thought, all right, guess I guess I am an idiot. Last year, Peter sold that same card for $250,000. That's a pretty good ROI, right? That's crazy. Yeah. So that, that was one of the first, uh, first NFT sales. But can you imagine someone paying $250,000? 100%. It's fascinating. So, um, the, so I actually started with trading myself. I didn't even know what NFTs are. And I got into trading. Um, like I remember even my sister. So she was working. So she was, uh, at the time, she was 19-year-old. Um, and she was working a retail store, you know, going part-time college and part-time working, making thousand bucks a month um, at this like part-time retail store. And then she got into NFTs and then second month then she made 20K um, in a month. And then I was like, whoa, like this is, this is very different. So this Web3 space is very different to um, everything I've seen before. And like some of the NFTs that I actually uh, traded myself, if anyone is familiar, like Alien Friend. Um, I I was buying them for about 500 bucks um, and then I would sell them for about 10K. Now, of course, the price for, for them and so many other NFTs have, have dropped significantly as you alluded to um, earlier on, you know, even Bored Apes um, and like uh, blue chip collections, they're, they're, um, they're very low, uh, which is good for some people if they want to just support the artist and they've never been able to. Um, and it's also just if they want to get into blue chip collections, they've never been able to with now and now so at a discounted price. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's how I got into it as well. Like I started actually trading first. Um, and then I realized at some point I said, Oh, wow. So this is, this is very interesting. At the time I was working with um, public companies doing their investor relationship marketing. Um, and then I could see how, there's a there's a huge uh, similarity between how NFT pages are set up and then also like an investor deck. And then so I I thought about it and I was like, okay, so I'm actually gonna do this as a as an example. I did this for some artists in Italy uh, back in 2021, and then he sold out his collection, and then that was like a proof of concept for me, uh, where I thought, okay, so everything I learned in investor relationship marketing with public companies is actually relevant. Um, I can apply it to, to this. And then I started working with 100 brands that month and then 100 uh, brands another month and so on and so forth. That's, that's amazing. And, and, and yeah. it's, it's been a wild ride. The last year has been crazy for NFTs. Yeah. So Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, this uh, launched something called VFriends. Yep. And um, Gary, I, something I really respect about Gary is he jumps on every new social media trend and then masters <laughs> it, right? Whether it's TikTok and in this case, NFTs. And Gary said something really interesting. He's like, when something new emerges, what I'm going to encourage you to do is to just block out 50 hours and go really deep because you're going to get an advantage over everyone else. 
And that's what Gary did. He blocked out 50 hours. He looked at the NFT market and he thought, wow, I could do something here. And so he launched WeFriends and I believe he sold $250 million worth of WeFriends collectible cards. The story doesn't end there. So when you sell an NFT, you can allocate 10% as like um, as a transaction fee that goes. So somebody who buys your collectible card, if they sell it to someone else, you can get Royalties. 10% of that sale, right? What is that called? Royalties. Yeah. So in the interview, I, I remember Gary saying that on a good night, he will make a quarter million dollars in his sleep from royalties. He said, VFriends was my IPO. Everything I've done led to this. VFriends was my IPO. So really interesting nature there. No matter what you want to say about NFTs, there is a lot of money being made. And now what we are starting to see as the bubble has collapsed, because NFT prices are down 92% from their peak. As the bubble has collapsed, now you're starting to actually see some really cool, real utility of NFTs. What are your thoughts, Arvin? How would you explain NFTs to someone? And what would be your advice around this industry? Yeah, so the great. And by the way, I do own one of Gary's uh, NFTs, the, the Grateful Tuna. Uh-huh. Um, so um, I actually like like his project. I like what he does, talking about the NFTs as well. I like, and that's one of the reasons I just know his his grit, his uh, motivation behind doing things online, and that's that's one of the reasons I actually support them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the NFTs are non fungible tokens, meaning they cannot be duplicated, which is different to a fungible token, so Bitcoin, so um, or dollar, like a banknote that you would have. That's a fungible token. So if I give you a banknote and you give it back to me, um, like another another dollar. It's the same thing. It's just one dollar. Versus NFT, there's only one version of it. It cannot be duplicated. And so it could be a form of an audio. It could be in the form of a video, a, an image. Um, in fact, like last year, I can talk about the evolution of that. But like last year, we had all sorts of animals, um, profile pictures of NFTs. This year, that has changed. So we're now going away from that. And so anyways, it could be a form of an audio, um, video, and it's uh, stored on the blockchain of things. So now majority of NFTs were also on the Ethereum blockchain. That's how it started. But now we have them on um, you know, Solana and other, other platforms like Polygon, other platforms as well. I would say it's probably the two major blockchains um, are Solana and Ethereum. And then we have like Polygon and a bunch of other ones as well. So not, not so much. Um, and then just so people have some ideas about like just on Ethereum, there are about 80,000 um, collections. Um, and then that went up from 40,000. So last year, so it's, it's going up. Beginning of this year, we got to a point where we were getting like 500 new collections every day entering the market. Wow. So that's that's good, but also that's that changed things. Um, and I actually got to observe that. So for example, back in November, 2021, all we have to do, um, like all we had to do for selling out of uh, NFT project was just building a huge community. And then 30% of those people would buy the NFTs. So I used to even tell people say, hey, um, build a Discord of, you know, let's say three to five times your collection size. So let's say if it was a 10K collection size, we would build a Discord of at least 30 to 50,000 people. 30% of those people would buy the NFTs. That was the end of that. Um, and sold out a lot of projects just like that. Um, it was great. Um, it was exciting because some of these people that I worked with, um, not to name, but they never made money online. They've literally like, this is, this is their first time ever, um, getting into things online. And then in a matter of four to six weeks, they would make like five, $6 million, which is even like for me, who've, you know, I've been in the marketing industry for almost 10 years. That's something I've never seen before. So that's 
very that's like that's fascinating that's that's why it got yeah. me really excited into this um and so that was uh last year um and do a i guess this even search um inquiries for nfts back in november last year surpassed like cryptocurrencies so cryptocurrencies from 2009 people knowing about them all of a sudden um nfts just had more searches than the uh cryptocurrencies and then what's really interesting, I think, so we, we had some, a lot of people from different countries, uh, obviously in the, in the audience, they're, they're listening and interacting right now. It's really different in different countries. So like the number one, as far as the search inquiries for interest on NFTs is actually, um, right now is actually Singapore. Um, and then there's like China, Hong Kong. So you would think US because of everything that you see on the media, like Gary Vee, you see like people talking about mm-hmm. NFTs, a lot of people are from US, but you would think US is really high up. It's not high up. It's actually the 10th space, like um, on the top, you know, the in the top 10, it's literally the bottom. Um, plus also it has gone down. It was actually number eight in the entire world and then went to 10, which I believe the reason for that is, again, last year was heaven in the NFT world. Everyone was um, selling out collections. Like I remember this specific brand, Frogos, we sold that in seven minutes. Um, and all we had as far as utilities was we just literally one word, we told people we, we're going to have some staking and we're going to have something in the metaverse. That's all it was. Um, and we sold out and it was like awesome. But this year, this is not the case. And I can tell you like what's, what's working this year as well. But what's really um, interesting is that a lot of, the people who last year got into a lot of different projects, they started talking about, you know, I guess they would, some, some projects weren't really delivering on their promises. So they started talking about how things are not going so well on Twitter. So, um, and then that's one of the reasons actually us interest has gone down instead Mm -hmm. of actually going up, even though more people from us actually getting to know what NFTs are um, the interest level, as far as like the searches is actually going down. Um, and so, but, but then again, like I've, like I said, like I was speaking at different countries, like for example, Cyprus, um, different countries, there's a lot of conversation about NFTs and like how that can be incorporated. Okay. So actually what you're sharing is fascinating, but let's look at some of the, the counter arguments. So, uh, Cecilia, uh, who is uh, live with us in the chat, uh, wrote this comment and I'd love for you to address this. Cecilia said, there are people that say it is a scam. It is a Ponzi scheme. How can someone defend the NFT world? Yeah, and I, I'm really big on, not, not in an emotional way, but like I'm really big on actually defending NFT world because I've I, I just seen what it has done for a lot of people, including myself. Um, and so there's definitely, there are definitely projects out there that they don't deliver um, on their promises, right? So we're seeing a lot less of those right now. Because it's not a shiny object anymore for people, that's like one of the best things that actually happened to this market. A lot of times people would just come in thinking of this is a cash grab uh, project and they're going to just make a bunch of money and then leave and not really deliver on their promises. But now that has changed because they know it's actually difficult. Like it's not really easy to sell out. So they don't just come in if they don't have a real plan to actually deliver. And in fact, like I'm actually seeing great projects coming out where they're working on their projects for like two, three months before even talking about it online, which is really cool. So one of the things is in the in the Web3 space, which is diff- different to the Web2 space, we're actually accountable for everything ourselves. So we can't really blame 
um, people and say, hey, they've done this to us because we're actually part of the whole, um, the, I guess, NFT industry ourselves. So one of the things I would say, first of all, there are lots of projects that they have delivered um, on their promises. They're still staying all the way on top um, on the, like, for example, let's say on OpenSea Marketplace or any other marketplace. People are still happy with what they're getting. Uh, they're continuously talking about their how it has changed their life and so on and so forth. Um, and then there's there are some projects that they didn't, right? So and again, because I work with so many projects, um, out of the 400 projects, I got to see two Rockwell projects myself. So one of them, the reason they actually now not to justify what they've done, but the reason they actually didn't deliver on their promises, just because these guys are not really like business savvy people. So they didn't, they weren't successful with their launch and they were, you know, their, the promise was they would deliver on their roadmap if they, everyone bought their NFTs and not everyone bought their NFTs. So they, they couldn't deliver on their promises and then they started hiding. Now, not the best strategy to do if something is not going your way, yeah. but yeah. I noticed the root cause of a lot of um, problems in the NFT world is actually not having enough resources, not having enough knowledge. So people just don't know. A lot of times they're artists, developers, they're getting into this. They want to get their word uh, to, to the world for, for their art, for their project. They're not really business savvy people um, and they don't have the resources. Typically, they don't have um, investors. Um, so they're bootstrapping things. And then when they not successful, that's, well, they, they, they can't deliver on their promises. And then it leaves a really bad impression for people just, you know, calling them a scam. So not, again, not to justify what people have done, because a lot of projects did that. Um, but uh, if you're actually looking to see why that happened, um, I got to be with a lot of these projects, like on a daily basis on Zoom calls and just talking to them. So I know they're like real people, real cool people too, but just that's let's, what let's, done. let's talk about some of your projects, right? Because yeah. definitely they are scams in the NFT world. They are scams right. everywhere. You, you know, if you're buying a used car, they are used car salesmen who are shady and are going to overcharge you. They are scams there. But it doesn't mean that cars as a, as a thing is useless or is something you should stay away from. So I'd love to hear about some of your projects, like the Sands Vegas Casino Club or Meta Legends. Let's talk about Meta Legends. How did you, yeah, what yeah. exactly was that? And how was this project able to generate 10 million in 20 hours? Yeah, so that's what was true for like all of these projects. Literally what we would do, we would run ads. Now, Meta Legends, there were a lot of um, paid ads that we ran. So um, in fact, like we were running 10K plus a day on advertising um, specifically on uh, Instagram, Twitter, different places. Um, and, and I can give a strategy to, to your folks if they want to do this. But um, in the past, that's what it was. We would literally build a community. So we would get people excited to go to this landing page where uh, people would learn about the utilities of the project, see who the team members of the projects were, um, and then what the art looked like. Really, those were the biggest things back then. Things, again, have changed, and I can tell you what's what's new. But um, that's that's what it was. And then people would go to uh, to join a Discord. Again, back in the day, there weren't that many Discord servers. So when people would join a Discord, they would actually participate in your Discord servers as well. Now, everyone is part of at least 30 Discord servers, so and they're all muting their Discord servers. So you can't just do that um, and it's, you know rely on that. Discord. Um, um, so so we, we need to define Discord for people. Mm -hmm. who don't know. Discord is, a, is, is an online discussion board. It's basically an app, very useful, very raw, relatively primitive, but it does the job. It's an online discussion board. Yeah, and actually even for Discord, so it has a 
I believe he has a limit of 250K and we, we hit it for one of the projects. Um, and that also needs to go through a change. So as the industry is changing and like a lot of people joining different Discord servers, that's, that's got to change as well. And actually one of the projects recently, like Goblin Town, they launched their project without a Discord just because they realized this, there's just no point. Okay, so a key thing about NFTs, right, is to, mm-hmm. is, to, is to get on the launch list. And Discord is basically the launch list. I read somewhere that 70% of the, the profits made um, in any NFT project basically go to the people who are the early buyers on the launch list. Yeah, the, so... Uh, the white list. But if people who are not on this white list um, or in, in scenarios like this one where they are not using Discord, what are they using? How are they staying connected with the potential buyers? Yeah, exactly. So that's actually interesting because that happened with another brand, OKBirds, OK as well. So I believe it was either OKBirds OK or the other one, the no OKBirds, OK but they didn't have a Discord. And so people just didn't have a place to talk, which is what they're used to, especially mm-hmm. the NFT savvy folks. And then so they started actually doing Twitter spaces. So people don't know what Twitter spaces are, just like Facebook Lives, which, as mm-hmm. you've seen it since 2009. So there, there's an audio version of the, um, I guess, those live um, streaming. So the community themselves, not even hosted by the actual founders of the communities. Um, so the community themselves, they actually got into these Twitter spaces. One of them for no keepers, I remember like they actually hosted a Twitter space for about three days in a row. So they wouldn't sleep. They would just talk. Um, on this Twitter space nonstop, right? And so this is just a level of, uh, I guess, a camaraderie that they were creating uh, for themselves and then just getting themselves excited about the project. Again, just to go back to your question. So in the past, it was three to five times number of collection size on Discord that you would create, uh, you would actually make it with paid ads and uh, influencer marketing. Um, and again, influencers back then were very helpful too because there weren't as many projects versus now because there's so many projects. Let's say yeah. find an influencer and talk about 10 projects this month and then 10 projects next month. At some point, you'd be like, okay, so which project do you want me to invest in? Because yeah. there's so many projects. So um, so back in the day, it was paid influencers. Now that has changed to really mostly focus on paid ads and PR. So and PR be, right. being like a publication. So like tier one, tier two publications. So that's really what's what's really working right now. Of course, there are other things like collaboration, so on and so forth as well that people do. But those are the two things that are mainly um, what I use for actually building communities. And then as far as how people making money if they're not whitelisted. So the Goblin Town specifically, they actually, their NFTs were actually free. So all you had to do was just to pay for uh, for the gas to actually get in. And then um, it's really interesting because, um, again, this this is a very different type of uh, narrative that they created, which is very important now. Um, It wasn't important back then. Right now, the narrative, the story uh, behind your project, why you got into this, why you're doing what you're doing in this industry, those are very important things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so anyways, the narrative was like, you know, they're tired of all these um, Discord servers grind where you would have to go do so many things to be able to be part of the whitelist community of a specific project. Um, And I said, we're not going to do any of that. You just you just come in and just actually um, you know get get your NFT and that's it. Um, but in the past, and for people who want to know what whitelist whitelisting is, is essentially you would give your 
uh, crypto wallet address um, to the uh, to the project. They would include it in the smart contract, um, and then you would be pre-approved to buy the NFTs at an earlier date, um, and typically um, at a like a uh, I guess reduced price as well. And then you would go on the secondary market, so maybe like Magic Eden or Sol- um, like a, or um, OpenSea, a sp- uh, place like that, and you would be able to sell it or buy uh, on the secondary market as well. But the reason that you were saying a lot of people were making a lot of money from the whitelisting was because it wasn't saturated. So whitelisting wasn't a thing that everyone was doing. So now what we do for whitelisting, we actually tell people to say, hey, like, for example, one of the projects like uh, Pharaoh Gods, they ask people to pay uh, $50 in the form of ETH to be able to be part of their whitelist, right? So we're trying to change that concept of just grinding on a Discord, let's say, do a bunch of things like invite your friends, do this, do that, and to be able to be part of whitelist. Um, and so to actually be sure that people are like really interested. So in the past, it was all about whitelist, but now it's not as much because everyone has whitelist. And again, if you're part of 30 different uh, whitelist communities, um, then which one would you buy, right? You only have like so much money. So that's why that's not... Um, so Arvin, mm-hmm. um, question to you. It's looking at NFTs right now. Many mm-hmm. of the um, the most popular NFTs like Bored Ape or CryptoPunks, prices have dropped, obviously, right? Because of yep. the market that we're in. Is this a good time to be investing in these type of premium NFTs? Yeah, so there's um, there's bunch of bunch of different ways to think about this. So people buy NFTs um, because they just got into the market, they just want to try it out, right? So there's that type of person. There are people who are buying NFTs because they want to support the artist, they want to support the project. So let's say if a project is actually, for example, I believe it was no okay papers that they wanted to do something with with regards to like mental health or frog was I worked mm-hmm. with, they wanted to plant trees and uh, save frogs. So sometimes people just want to actually support. They they don't care if the money aspect of the I guess the the profit aspect of the uh, the project is not going to be there, right? So they just want to support. So in that case, because the price. Uh, specifically for Ethereum has gone down. Uh, the price of the NFTs itself has gone down. This is actually a really good time to actually go in and actually, if you want to support projects, support artists, support developers, support a specific right. mission, which are plenty of them, by the way, in the NFT space, really good time to actually do that and at a discounted price, right? So that's just that's that. Great. Now, that's great. Yeah. So I just, just want to give, a, give an example of this. So I grew up in Malaysia and I read a news article about a Malaysian artist that was you know, mostly not really getting appreciated for her work. And then she launched her work as an NFT and all of a sudden she became a celebrity. And as an, as you know, artists typically don't make that much money, but all of a sudden this artist from my home country was successful. She was all over the press and I really wanted the support. So I went and I bought one of those NFTs and um, I think it cost me about a thousand bucks, but I was just so happy to see someone from my country doing well. I wanted to do what I could do to support. So that's one of the reasons why some people buy NFTs. I know I'm probably not going to make that money back. To me, it was just honoring my culture. Exactly. Um, and then, and then the, there's the other aspect of it where like a lot of people wanted to buy into these like blue chip collections, maybe like board apes, right? Um, or like um, even like VFriends used to be like almost like what 20. Uh, the floor price was to be like 20, 20 ETH. 
And then now it's like five, I believe. So um, people who wanted to just get into these blue chip collections because of monetary values, because of the utilities, you know, all the NFTs that are getting airdropped to them because of all the events they get to attend, all the cool people, maybe it's just the status. Maybe they just want to just show off their, um, you know, Gary Vee was at some point talking about like how just like your LinkedIn, you may be showing off your wallet to people and just that would show like who, what kind of person you are as well. Um, so whatever reason that is, but now it's actually um, a lot cheaper. So you can actually buy um, and right. you, you would, you would now, again, this is speculation, but um, a lot of these blue chip collections, they have so much money that it's really hard for them to actually leave um, the NFT. Um, so they, they're able to support themselves without actually, um, you know, getting investors involved. So um, that's how, um, again, personal opinion, that's yeah. how I actually think about that. They're going to stay. Um, so, so let's 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 now talk about utility NFTs, right? So we've spoken about NFTs as collectibles, and mm-hmm. and I mean for for people who think okay, that's a Ponzi scheme. I mean, collectibles are collectibles. There is people buy things for people buy things before because they're collectibles. When I was young, I used to collect comic books, right? And I remember paying premium prices for the right Spider-Man comic book, and <laughs> I didn't see that as a Ponzi scheme. I did it because I absolutely freaking loved it. So collectibles aside, let's talk about utility NFTs. And you're giving us an example of a really interesting company in Romania that used a utility NFT and was able to raise 8 million. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so that's really cool. So this is what I actually suspect to see over the next 6 to 12 months. I actually, if someone listens to any of the podcasts, I said like beginning of this year, I literally predicted that. I called on us. I said over the next three to six months, this will happen. And it's happening already. So public companies, um, even the small companies, they're getting into the NFT world because they, it has other uses than just purely just you know trading NFTs. And I told you like what they are. So um, one example, one other example than the one that you said before I forget is um, SaaS companies, a lot of uh, software as a service companies, they actually tested to see if they introduce NFTs to sell and distribute their um, service. They actually make more money. Um, so they literally experimented. They make more money um, than they would do without NFTs. Um, and then this company is. Could you give an example? Could you give give, give a, an example of what Ooh, that I can, looks like? I can remember, but if if people literally just go on YouTube, there's a guy who actually calculated um, the for the company like what um, exactly mm-hmm. like what they were making prior, and then what they made after they introduced NFTs. Um, and and he's done it for like a bunch of projects, um, and he literally was just like making the argument, saying, "Look." This is this is the future of actually SaaS. So you can actually mm. use NFTs to actually be able to make more money. Now, um, the specific example in Romania is the one that I I was consulting them live on a stage. Is this company that they provide? Now, if I find the uh, name of the company, there's so many of these. You know, works with I forget. But the what they provide is the beauty services um, across Romania, the entire country. Now, um, if you think about first of all. The NFT um, audience is typically actually males. So 80% of the males and they're age 25 to uh, 41, majority of them. Now we've got, you know, older, we've got younger people, like they're like 12 year olds buying NFTs and then you don't even know, right? But there's, so there's obviously those um, anomalies, but that's what's, what typically is. Now what this company did, which is to my surprise, it's a very, very uh, bold move to, to come and actually a, launch a collection to the female um, audience. Um, and what they've, what they've done is, um, so 
let's say let's say you as the female um, audience of them you would go get uh, the beauty services um as you would like on a you know maybe monthly basis or every few months like let's say if it's your your hair that you do maybe it's like your nails that you do regularly whatever whatever beauty services that you do um and you you would do it through the app or you would go to their physical store and you would actually get the service as you would, and you've done that before NFTs even existed, or even if you don't know anything about NFTs, you would still do that. So this company came up with this idea that they said, hey, what if um, after, so, and by the way, I worked initially when I was in the, uh, when I got into marketing, I worked with a lot of uh, beauty uh, companies as well. I actually helped them go from like um, complete, like a startup to like, um, you know, offering multiple locations and so on and so forth. So I'm very, very aware of like how that works there giving discounts to their buyers is a really uh, great incentive. It's a very simple idea to just actually attract uh, females and just say, hey, like if you, for example, if you book it now, you also get like 10% discount. If you bring your friend, you maybe get another 10% discount or blah, 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 right? So they, they took this concept and I said, hey, what if after someone bought a specific um, service from us, let's say hair highlight, we just tell them, hey, if you want to actually get discount, because you're going to do this again, you're, you're going to do other beauty services with us again. So what if we just um, gave you additional discount? What you have to do for that, you would have to buy into this um, the VIP um, uh, package that we have. Now, the VIP package is actually an NFT. So... Um, they would explain that NFT over the phone conversation. They would tell, now, I don't know how they would do it exactly, but over the phone conversation, they would tell, first of all, they would talk about the benefits of it. They say, hey, you would get um, a lot of like discounts. You would get, get to go to like real life events, maybe educational events, blah, blah, blah. But the whole point is, you get discounts, which is what they really want because they're like, we're going to be using this regardless. So if you can get discounts, that's awesome. But also, there are only going to be 8,000 of these VIP packages. So if you actually buy into this, given that there are millions of females just in Romania alone, now they're going to expand internationally too, but um, given that there are so many people that they want this, eventually this is going to be an investment for you where you can pay back all these spending that you've, ha- you've had on yourself, your body, which you would do regardless. Got nothing to do again with NFTs, right? Um, and so very interesting idea because... Um, the whole concept of like actually making NFTs really valuable is the rarity, right? So they're scarce. Um, and then they realize they're like, well, if we just create like eight thousands of them and there's so many females we have, um, then this is going to be an investment. So first of all, they want to hold on to these NFTs to get the discounts. And then eventually, let's say over a year, they can sell it to someone else or like over whatever time, yeah. time frame, they can sell it to someone else for like a higher price. And then they were able to raise about $8 million uh, um, in, in doing so. And I think that's really like when I think about NFTs in, in the small businesses, large businesses, that's what I think about um, as far as distribution, as far as building community, as far as um, actually getting like your services um, to people in a, in a new way. Uh, that's what I really think about. And I hundred I, percent I think that has a future, which, which is regardless of, um, you know, cryptocurrencies price going up, um, board apes price going down, like wh- whatever happens, yeah. that's, utility, that's just going to happen. The utility of NFTs is really what fascinates me. So we did an experiment recently and it actually failed, but I, I want to share my failure um, so that people understand this. So I wanted to apply NFTs to raise money for Ukraine. And so we had around um, 22 artists submit beautiful artwork in support of Ukraine. Um, but the timing went off, right? By the time we got the project up, it, the, the war was already old news. 
And what had happened is that the NFT market had already tanked. But the interesting thing was this NFT was not just an artwork to raise money for Ukraine. It came with a utility. But here's the mistake I made. The utility was so powerful, so good that it seemed almost hard to believe. Basically, if you got this NFT and the starting price was 0.5 Ethereum, so maybe it was about a thousand, a thousand bucks. If you got this NFT, you got five lifetime Mind Valley memberships. So a lifetime Mind Valley membership is five grand. You got five of that. So one for you and four for like members of your family or your friends. You got three tickets to Mind Valley's big event in Estonia, each ticket worth $1,800. And you got dinner with me and a Mind Valley author. Those dinner seats, you cannot buy them. This is huge. Total value of that is around $34,000. But this was uh, set up as an auction with a, with a very minimum price of 0.5. And we emailed everyone in the Mind Valley list just to see would people get it because the value was so huge. It's an absolute no brainer. People didn't understand it. People did not understand the utility. And so the, the, the winning bids, so we had a particular closing date and the winning bids were about $1,000, $1,100 on average. So we raised $26,000 for Ukraine, but the people who put in that 1,100, they basically got $34,000 worth of value. That's amazing for them. But, but, but the audience, the people, the, the Mind Valley audience um, did not get it. Now I, I take accountability for that. The whole reason here was we just wanted to test the responsiveness, but yeah, yes. it sounded so too hard to believe that this was real. But yes, was, these, these NFT winners, I'm actually personally having dinner with each and every one of them. I would also say something that I don't know if that helps, but so Picasso family, they, so everyone knows who Picasso is. Uh -huh. they, they had their collection and then after they launched it, they didn't sell out. Um, and then the person who was responsible, they came to me and they were asking about like, you know, what could have they done differently? You would think the Picasso art is so great. If you just duplicate that art, everyone would buy it, right? That's not wow. the case. This is this is to show, and I, I mean, it's really similar to the example you're talking about. This is to show the Web2 audience um, the people that like the average uh, person who doesn't, who's not really into the NFT space, regardless of like how amazing the offer is, how amazing the the, the art is, um, if if it's not done in a Web three marketing way, you can't sell that. Mm -hmm. um, and and so so that's that's why that's why actually a lot of projects um, now again in the past this wasn't as um, visible as it is right now, but a lot of projects they even build a community that have amazing utilities too, and no one buys it. Um, and yeah. it's just because it's just because the way that's done, um, it's different um, to what the Web3 space expects yeah. it to be. So, I mean, um, it is like too hard uh, to believe that's true. Yeah, too. No, yeah because because it's it's uh, the Web3 community is actually a relatively small community. I was yes. reading the stats on the number of actual active accounts on OpenSea, and it's not that many. Do you, do you recall what it is? Yes. Yeah, so the um, I believe it's about... 1.5 million the the total now i don't know if that's just uh just open c on the or the total but um and i believe like on a monthly basis there's somewhere around like the buyers there's somewhere around like say 40,000 50,000 right. um so it's actually not not a ton right um and so now um a lot of people also just because of all the hacks and everything they don't connect their wallet anymore so they disconnect yeah. it immediately so that's also just kind of uh, messing up the, all those stats like people people relying on um but to actually think of like web3 space is like a it is a very small uh, community plus also they're very jaded um because of all these things that happened over the like you know beginning of this year 
um, like a lot of projects they drug pulled. Um, and so um, actually one of the things I tell people projects to do right now is to not only just target the Web3 people, but also target Web2 people, but in a way that's different than what most people think, which is, you know, like people would think, okay, so Web2 people, if you just tell them about the NFTs, um, they would just go buy it. Again, like celebrities I've talked to, they've they've done that, no one buys it. So the the way I like, I, I'm sure you're familiar with like product launch formula back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Right, um, like Jeff Walker. Yeah, yeah. So what I like to do is to actually educate Web2 people to first of all, get into Web3, understand the, the whole concept of like cryptocurrencies, digital currencies, NFTs, and then let them know why they need to buy your NFT. So it's a very, it's a very elaborate process to actually get these people to come in to do this. Um, and the reason that come the beauty company in Romania, they were doing it really well is just because they were doing it on a phone conversations. They would literally have these people that just continuously like talking to people that don't know anything about NFTs and just tell them, hey, look, this you want the NFTs. I mean, you want the benefits, which is the discounts and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then this is what you have to do and like connect your wallet, do this, do that. And then you would buy, you would buy the NFTs. But um, it's very different to just a, let's say, influencer with lots of, lots of followers just going and just say, hey, um, here's my NFT. And then people just rushing into buying it. It doesn't happen. It takes time for, for people to actually understand what it is and then understand why your NFTs. But what I also tell people is that the cool thing is once they do, if they don't know anything about NFTs and they buy your NFTs, they're going to be your customer for life because you just introduced them to this new universe that they never knew anything about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what yeah. would be your, your advice for people who want to start exploring the NFT space? What would be the first yeah. thing you would encourage them to do? Yeah. yeah. So I like projects that are actually have they have a utility and then they come up with a artwork for it um now again that's different like if there's an artist that wants to do things then of course they can just you know sell their art and then just find a utility for it too that's fine but um for people who are not like artists and they're kind of in between they're like well we're not really good with arts we're not really good with utilities i would want them to focus on the utility they would come up with an amazing product um and this is why again like a lot of times projects that already were selling things in the Web2 space. And then when they come into the Web3 space and they bring that utility and they just add an art to it, they can, they can be successful. It's just because people will buy their NFTs regardless of um, whether it be in the form of an NFT or not in the form of an NFT. They just buy it for the utility. Um, and so I'm actually launching one in the fitness world myself, like one launching a collection in three mm-hmm. weeks. Um, um, and so the, so the concept is just really getting clear on your utility, have a great story um, around it and just um, uh, getting people excited. Now, one of the things I tell people right now to do is you start delivering on your utilities as early as possible. So instead of wait, just do, doing the typical thing we used to do last year, which would be like, hey, um, let's say if we sold out, then we start like building this game. We start doing this, like we, we're going to have this coin mm-hmm. launch and so on and so forth. No, no, like just launch a, let's say a collection of, let's say 300 to 500 NFTs and start delivering something. Um, now that does two things. First of all, out of all these collections that are out there, that are trying to be successful, you already are successful because you just sold that one. So that distinguishes you from a lot of other projects. That's first thing. Second thing is your offering is going to be very strong because you actually started delivering on things versus all these other people who are just promising things. So those are the, the very important things. Um, and then there's another element to this where um, I, I call it hype. Um, now, not to be confused with just like fake hype where like, you know, just telling people, oh, this is going to be so amazing, blah, blah, blah. No, it really like 
the concept is like having more demand than there's supply and you need to create that in the in the web3 space example of that is like if you think about you going to it uh, let's say uh, adidas store you want to buy a t-shirt right now if you go and see it if you like it you buy it if you don't maybe you don't buy it right now but maybe you come back six months down the line and you buy it in the web3 space that's not the case if you bought it on the days that the main thing is happening you bought it if you didn't that's done um, right. So it's that re- it really needs to be like communicated to people that it's a time frame based thing. So the way we do that is um, like I would take people to a specific landing page where um, people would let's say uh, follow Twitter, join Discord, connect their wallet for whitelist. Um, and then once they've done all of those things and, you know, give their email, especially email too. Um, that's one of the things that I've realized like lately that's working way better than Discord and other things, um, which is re- really weird because it's like a Web2 thing. But anyways, they do all of those things. Um, and then we ask them to actually tweet um, to say this is happening, right? So they they tweet about like what they've what they've just done. And then mm-hmm. if someone goes and actually just like looks up, for example, Wall Street Fam um, on Twitter, um, and so that's a brand. And then they just type out in the search Wall Street Fam, like for example, Premint, they see there are thousands and thousands of people who tweeted that they've joined their whitelist. And one of the cool things about that is that it just creates a lot of like anticipation, a lot of excitement for people. Um, and then we just like did a video of it and showed it to people as well. Say, hey, look, you can just scroll down. You can see all these people wanting to do this, so on and so forth. So the concept is really this have a great product, have a great utility. If that's the, if you just want to get into the Mm -hmm. NFT space, Um, if you're an artist, then obviously your, your art is going to be the most important things. And if you can find a utility for it, um, then that's awesome too. Um, And then you got to build a community, you got to build hype. um, And then you got to also be really relevant as far as your narrative to what's happening right now. So if you're just doing all the old things that was happening last year, um, it's not going to work out, right? So you you need to actually be relevant, right? So for example, just think about like Goblin Town when they said, we're tired of all these, um, you know, Discord grind and like getting on like a whitelist communities, so on and so forth. So if you can create something that's just like distinguishes you from other projects and you're really relevant, um, then you have a um, more, you have more chance of actually being, uh, being successful in, in this whole industry. Plus also uh, think about the, the whole concept of at the end of the day, it's not just about like making money right away. You can, so in fact, actually, if someone goes to actually seize the, the stats on how much money has been made on the secondary market on OpenSea versus the primary, it's actually 80% versus 20%. So majority of money has actually been made on the secondary market, meaning on the marketplaces after the launch versus the mm-hmm. versus the launch itself. So if you didn't make money first launch, it's okay. Like you can do another one and you can do multiple ones. Plus if your pricing, especially for now, it could be like a lot cheaper than let's say what you would do last year. And last year was maybe like somewhere around like, 500 to 800 dollars that was like average this year is not like 0.06 ethereum is the like average price right now i see i see well thank you arvin thank you thank you for taking us on this journey i think this is going to be one of many different podcasts we'd have on emerging technologies and web3 so thank you for joining us i'm actually going to um, reach out to you to share with you and get your thoughts on Mindvalley's uh, NFT project for next year. But thank you. This has been a really delightful conversation and I'm glad that we got acquainted. Of course. Thank you for having me. So thank you all for joining us in the Mindvalley podcast. I will see you next week.
Vishen Lakhiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? Your relationships. How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of a hundred and fifty thousand of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.